0: Well, good morning, get well. Good morning. So great to be with you today as we continue in our series. We're in week three of our series called Catalyst. We're walking through the story, the book of Acts, the life of the early church. And together, through this whole series, we're exploring how these same circumstances and events and struggles of the early church are things that we're facing today, and how do we be faithful to who God's calling us to be through every struggle, every trial, every challenge. Today, we're stepping into God's call for boldness, that we're willing to not back down from the things happening in the world, but we move with boldness In the name of Jesus. Now, I hope you're not uh, living and breathing by the news every day, but it's not hard for us to look around and see that we're in a broken world. All right? I mean, many of us have had a heightened sense of that over the last year and a half. But everywhere we look and everywhere we turn, uh, there's division, there's fear, there's tension. There's struggle, and it seems like day after day, it's rising rather than being dealt with. And somebody somewhere has got to speak out. Somebody's got to act. Somebody's got to move to change the tide. But here's the hard reality, is that there are people moving. There are people speaking out. But my question for us this morning is who has the mic? Who stepped up to the platform? Because the voices I hear and the things that I see are not dealing with the struggle, the tension, the fear. They're raising and elevating the tension, the division, and the fear. And whether it's with good intentions or maybe bad intentions, everywhere we look, the news and social media and public figures and celebrities are taking the microphone and they're speaking out with boldness. But what is the fruit that we're bearing? More tension, more division, more fear. And I wonder sometimes if the church is not guilty of us. We get in our underground bunker while a war is raging above the surface and people's lives are being broken and they're being attacked while we huddle together in our safe little place. I think it's time in 2021 for the church to engage the world in the name of Jesus with boldness. That's what we're going to explore together today. So let's look at our scripture. We're walking through the book of Acts. Uh, I do hope that you're following along in the reading plan. If you don't have one, go to our website or go to the lobby and pick one up. But today we're in Acts chapter 4, looking at the boldness of the early church. So let's start in verse 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the word of God boldly and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, what is happening here in this story? Now, Peter and John had had been preaching the gospel. They had been healing in the name of Jesus. They had been sharing the love of God, and people began to take notice, particularly the religious leaders of their day took notice. And so they brought in Peter and John. They were arrested. They brought them in for questioning, looking for a way to stop what they were doing. Peter and John go back to the people, back to the body of Christ, back to the church, and they say, this is what's going on. What is our response going to be? Because things were getting difficult, to say the least. I mean, the questions that must have been rising up for them, how are we going to keep teaching and preaching if every time we go out, we're arrested? How are we going to keep moving in people's lives if every time we do something in the name of Jesus, we're brought and we're reprimanded and maybe beaten and arrested? How are we going to move through this? This is hard, we've got to keep being bold even when it's difficult. See, here's one of the promises of life is that trouble and opposition are guaranteed. It's a promise that in this life, particularly when we live our lives for Jesus in the name of Jesus, when we try to make his love known to the world, Life is going to get difficult. Let's dive in. Chapter 4, verse 25. Look at this. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then they're going to quote Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. This is not... You know rainbows and unicorns here this is getting difficult. Indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city. To what? To conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. Trouble and opposition are guaranteed. It's coming. But here's a truth that we all need to understand. As that you and I, even though we will face difficulty, we will face challenges. We might even in this life, before we meet Jesus, we might face persecution for following Jesus. But you and I are not the target of opposition. We're just in the line of fire. Look at what the text says. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against Who? Against the Lord and against his anointed one. Or it says, and then they met in the city to conspire against who? Against your holy servant, Jesus. See, the opposition is to Jesus from the people. It's from the, the rulers, he says. The rulers of this earth, meaning there are people both spiritual and physical in this world with the authority to rise up and fight against what God's doing. That they're jealous, that they're hungry for power, and that they will move in our lives to separate us from the mission and the love of God through Jesus. But there's also the nations, the peoples. These are groups, these are cultures who also rise up not with authority, but with influence. How much of our world is moved today not by power, but by influence? Moving to to change our worldview, to change the way we think, to change the way we feel that we'd be separated from the mission and the love of God through Jesus. Not moving out of jealousy, but really often moving out of ignorance. Not knowing who Jesus is or what he's about. Not realizing that that the move of God and what he's doing in the world. It's from the rulers, from uh, the nations, but it's against Jesus. That the target is that they would take out His Holy One. That they would separate us from what the Holy One, the Anointed One, the Christ, the Messiah, wants to do in our lives and in the world. And we get caught in the crossfires. And the question is, what are we going to do? Because what I believe that God is calling us to do is not retreat from the difficulty, but engage the difficulty with boldness. That that we need to step up and step out, speak truth, live truth, get involved in people's lives, get engaged with the mission of God in the world. Because again, there are people stepping up to the platform, but who is it? So often it's the wrong people in the wrong way. We've all seen people speaking out, maybe with an agenda that they want power or or they want prosperity or they want popularity. And so they're speaking out, they're moving out. Sometimes we see people not by an agenda, but just with hatred and anger. That you don't think like me, you don't see the world like me, so you're wrong, I'm right, and I'm angry, and I can't help, I'm compelled, not out of love, not out of mission, but out of anger, and I rise up and we further division, we further fear, we further the, the heartache in the world. What would it look like? For you and I, the body of Christ, the church, to speak up and to step out, not out with an agenda for power or popularity or, or prosperity, not out of anger and hatred, but we would speak up and step out with love and with truth. And that we understand that it is the church, it is the body of Christ, that is the only group in the world that can hold those two things together. Perfect love and complete truth join together without compromise. That in love we can draw people in and invite them in. That we can bestow worth and value on people saying that there's a God who loves you. There's a God who's chasing after you. There's a God who wants to do life with you. And I'm walking with you and I'm here and I'm committed to you in love. But in perfect truth that we engage people with the hard stuff because we're committed to love them and walk with them and be with them and knowing that it's the truth that sets people free. It's the truth that transforms lives. It's the truth that changes people. See, just just lovey-dovey stuff all the time by avoiding the truth doesn't really bring people health and wholeness. It's loving people and holding truth together. And that we move in boldness to hold those things together. And here's why. is because we know that every step of the way, that God is in it all and through it all. And he's holding it all. And we understand that this simple truth, that God is in control. This is what the disciples knew. This is why Peter and John and the other followers of Jesus could continue to live in mission, could continue to step out of their door every day and proclaim Jesus knowing that I'm probably going to get arrested. Maybe I'm going to get beaten. Maybe today is the day I die. But God is in control and I'm going to keep saying that name, Jesus, 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 because he's the hope of the world. And God is in control. Let's take a look. Verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Look at this. Sovereign Lord. Recognizing God is in control. They said, Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Who are we, God? You're the one who brought all this together. We're going to follow you. And then jump ahead a few verses and it says, They did what your power, God, your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. God is in control. So if I'm engaged in a battle, if I'm engaged in a struggle and I'm not sure what's gonna happen on the other side, but I do know who's in control, A hundred times out of a hundred, I'm going with the person who's in control. I'm going with the person who already knows the outcome. I'm going with the person who holds it in their hand. That's what the disciples did. They didn't know what was coming. They didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. But they knew who was in tomorrow and who holds tomorrow. They knew that God was in the control. And so they walked with him. And they knew that God had a plan and God's plan was not thwarted. It was not, he was not intimidated. He was not stalled. But God had a plan that he was working out in it all and through it all. They knew that God had the ability, the knowledge, and the desire to bring his plan to be. They knew that God is powerful. They knew that. That God has the ability and the strength to take everything that happens in this world and to use it to bring his glory. To use it to bring the gospel to people who are lost and hurting and dying. To bring his love and truth to people who need transformation and who need hope. He used everything that we would proclaim Jesus to the world. That one day philippians tells us every knee will bow and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord of all and god is using all all things to bring us to that moment there's nothing impossible for god the disciples knew that they knew that god is prepared That he wasn't caught off guard. He wasn't surprised. Oh no, I didn't know that was going to happen. What am I going to do now? But God and his sovereignty and his knowledge of all things, knowing that God is already in tomorrow, that God is prepared for our rejection, prepared for our brokenness, prepared for the battle that the world and Satan is bringing against him. And he already knows what he's going to do when we get there. And they knew that God is purposeful. That God is not just random. God is not figuring out as he goes. But God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. That we would experience his love and his goodness. That we'd be set free from sin. Have the hope of salvation. And then bring glory to God through his son, Jesus. And God is working all this out. Each and every day. See, this is God's plan and purpose for our lives is that, that he would work in us to bring freedom, to bring forgiveness, to bring salvation, to bring hope, to bring love, but he'd also work through us. That this was always the plan, that when Jesus stepped foot on this earth, it was to invite us into relationship with God. When he died on the cross, it was to set us free from sin and death. Forever it is finished, it is done. When he rose from the dead, it was to breathe life into us and to give us the hope of eternity and the hope of life now, today, heavenly living in me and through me. This was always the plan to do it in me but also to work through me that I would take all those things and speak it and live it to the people around me in the name of Jesus that they might be set free, that they might have love, that they might have hope, that they might have life. And so my question, church, is are we going to stay in the fight or are we going to back down? When the voices rise, when the tension rises, when the division separates, are we going to shrink back in our holy huddle? Are we going to step into the world with boldness and proclaim the name of Jesus with what we do and what we say? So here's what we do. We ask for boldness. This is what the disciples did. They didn't just muster it up from within. They didn't be like, well, we can do this. No, they didn't white knuckle it. No, they, they came to the Lord. They were in a battle. They brought the battle to God and they asked for boldness. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They're praying to God. They're asking him to move. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now after they prayed, the place where they were, they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. So the first thing that they did is they asked God to strengthen them and enable them to give them the ability to be bold, to speak the word and live the word with boldness. The truth and love held together without compromise. That they needed the ability to persevere. That then when they woke up in the morning and they didn't feel like it. And they, they didn't feel like they had the strength. They were depressed and they were discouraged. That they needed the ability to walk out the door and do it again. To persevere. To persevere. And they needed the Holy Spirit to move in them that they could speak, not their opinion, not what they were feeling that day, but to speak the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the Holy Spirit would give them the words to say with great boldness and power. They needed to be enabled. They needed the ability. They asked for God to do what only God could do. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. They knew that everything wasn't in their hands. So, God, you do what you're supposed to do. So, God, come and heal. And they were asking God, begging God to bring health and wholeness to the world physical, spiritual, and mental. God, I don't have the ability, the power, the strength to to fix people's lives, to bring health and wholeness, but you do. The Old Testament calls him the Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. So, God, you come and move. They said, God, would you bring your signs? These are the miraculous events that God does the impossible in the natural world, the supernatural among the natural, to point out the identity of Jesus. That it would point to Jesus and build faith in the people who see it. That this is the Son of God. And God, would you do wonders? These are the miraculous events, the supernatural and the natural that moves us to awe and worship of God. God, would you come and do healing and signs and wonders? And then they ask for the Holy Spirit. They'd been praying through the first three books of the uh, three chapters of the book of Acts. God had told them, wait for the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, we see the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter goes and preaches. But they don't do anything. They don't take any step. They don't try to get it in their hands or, or their agenda or their plan until God fills them with the Holy Spirit. We cannot do the mission of God without the Spirit of God. And Jesus tells us that if we will ask for the Holy Spirit that God will give us the Holy Spirit. And so we're waiting on God to fill us with the power. Not waiting passively, but waiting actively, expecting God to move and engaging when God moves. That we ask, we expect and we respond that we expect God to fill us with the Spirit and we're looking for the Holy Spirit and we're joining with the Holy Spirit when the Spirit moves. So much of the time the problem is not that God is not working in us or speaking to us or challenging us, that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. So much of the time the problem is that we silence the Holy Spirit. I don't have time for that. I can't do that. I don't have the ability. I don't have the knowledge to do that. Surely that wasn't God. God wouldn't ask me to be uncomfortable. God wouldn't ask me to step out into a place that I'm not certain of victory, of of doing this well. And we silenced the Holy Spirit. But what would happen if we daily asked for and expected and responded to the giving of the Holy Spirit as the church? Living our lives with boldness, not shying away. Let's take the mic as the church. And I don't mean that we, we get on a new station and we get on a platform. But I'm talking about in our daily platforms where we live in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, with our friends, with our families, on the ball field, wherever we go, that we understand that is the platform that God has given us. And we engage with boldness, holding love and truth together. What would that mean? So let me offer up some ways that we can do this together. Let me offer up six examples of what it might look like for us to be bold. Here's the first. What if we were bold with truth? That when life gets hard and decisions have to be made, when confusion is celebrated, What would it look like for us as the church to step up with truth, that this is God's word. I may not like it. It may not be the way that I would do it, but this is God's truth. It is his eternal and holy word inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I don't get to decide what I like and what I don't, but we just live by it and we trust the Lord with it. And we don't give in to this call of the world that you do you and you do you and you have your truth and I'll have my truth. But no, there's a standard and there's a line and what's true is true. And we're living to, willing to live it and speak it to the people in our lives. Not shy away when it gets hard. Oh, well, if I say this, I'm not gonna be popular. I'm not gonna be liked. I might have some difficulty. Okay, <laughs> do we trust God or not? What if we were bold with truth? What if we were bold with love? What would that look like for us to say, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna play it safe. I'm not gonna make sure that I'm always comfortable. I'm not gonna stiff arm every broken person that ever steps into my world, but I'm gonna live my life with open arms, listening to the Holy Spirit when he says, engage, that I will engage. That every time I go to the grocery store, it might be some time for me to speak with love and truth. That when I go to work, or when I go to school, or when I go to that ball field, or wherever I'm at, God might be asking me to be prepared to love somebody that day. And love is hard. It's not clean. It's not easy. It's messy, and it's challenging, and it's difficult. But what would it look like for us is if what we were known for as the church, this is out of Jesus' own mouth, by the way, What if what we were known for as a church is that we were people who loved? Jesus said, they will know you by the way you love one another. What if we decided that we're going to be bold with hospitality? That everything that we hold in our hands belongs to the Lord. Our homes, our resources, our money, our time. What if all of it belongs to God and what he's asking of us is to give it away? Understanding that we open our lives up to people and we welcome them in. That's what hospitality is, is to welcome people with bestowing worth and value on them. Guess what? That doesn't happen just in your home. It certainly happens in your home, but it can happen in your office. It can happen on your way to some place. It can happen in your car. It can happen in the park. What if we lived our lives with an attitude of hospitality that we understand that we have the love of God and the power of God living through us that we can bestow worth and value on people? Not because we give it to them, but because we point God to, we point them to God who gives it to them. And we wrap our arms around people and say, you have a place to belong. What if that was our attitude as a church? When people come, when people gather, when we meet people, you have a place to belong. What if we welcome people into our homes and we told them, you have a place to belong? What if we welcome people into our office? You have a place to belong. What if we had a place to invite people into our lives and say, you have a place to belong? And we were bold with hospitality. What if we chose to be bold with relationships? That we invite people into our world to love them, to do life with them. What what if metaphorically, metaphorically we stepped off the back porch and stepped onto the front porch and started looking for ways to build relationships with people? What if we went out of our way to get to know our neighbors? What if we go out of our way to get to know the people that we work with? What if we go out of our way to get to know the people that we do activities with or that we go to church with? That doesn't happen by accident. It has to be a bold and intentional move that we work to build up relationships. Those little computers that we carry around in our pockets all the time. What if we did more than playing games or searching social media and we reach out to people? And say, I want. let's go to lunch. Let's go to coffee. Come over to our house. And we were bold with building relationships. What if we chose to be bold with opportunities? That every moment of every day is not just something on my to-do list, but it is an opportunity to be interrupted by the mission of God to do something for a person of God either a person who's walking with God now or a person who's being chased by the love of God now and God's gonna do something in their life. But like I said, at the grocery store, at the workplace, at our home, in our neighborhood, on the ball field, in the church, wherever we might find ourselves. what if we looked at it as an opportunity to be the voice, to be the arms, to be the heart, to be the love of Jesus in somebody's life? That our ears are open and our eyes are open And we're ready to have our heart open and our mouth open to be Jesus to somebody. What if we chose to be bold with invitation? To this day, 2,000 years later, in 2021, invitation continues to be the most powerful form of gospel to the people around us. It's not a sermon. It's not a program, it's not a mission trip, it's invitation. Let me share with you what Jesus has done in my life. Let me invite you to have a conversation. Let me invite you into my world. Let me invite you to church. Let me invite you to my small group. Let me invite you to coffee. Let me invite you to breakfast. Let me invite you to the park. Whatever it looks like that we invite people that we can share the good news with them that we earn our way into people's lives with our love and commitment. That we don't lead in with some agenda or some message, but we lean in with love and compassion and invite them into our world so that we earn our right to speak Jesus to them. What if we chose to be bold people of Jesus today? So we have a choice. Will we continue to live in our holy huddle and let's get in the bunker while the world burns? Or let's step out in the name of Christ and be bold. So here's my challenge for us. Is if you're walking with Jesus and you know the gospel and you know the love of Jesus and you surrender your heart, would you choose one way to be bold this week? Maybe it's to to take a, a dessert over to your neighbor to build that relationship. Maybe it's to... Have the hard conversation with that coworker that every time you see them, you race to the bathroom. So you don't have to have that hard conversation. Would it be to invite somebody out to coffee? Would it to be speak the words that you've known you've been supposed to speak for a long time to that person you're doing life with and you just haven't been willing to do it? Would you choose one way to be bold with the gospel this week? that we don't check off the box because we showed up or we clicked online, but that we choose to live it out Monday through Saturday. And if you're not sure about Jesus' place in your life and you're watching or you're here, the most bold thing you could ever do is to make that choice to not just believe with your mind, but trust with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and surrender your will and surrender your life to him. You can trust him because Jesus has been bold for you. The most bold move of all history was that the God who created the heavens and the earth and the universe took on flesh and stepped into our world. Not to be served, but to serve. Not to take, but to give. Not to be lifted up for power, but to be lifted up for sacrifice, giving his life. You can trust him. You can trust him.